Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell, the podcast in which I, your host, Mark DeCano, talk to comedians about comedy, and it couldn't comedy sooner. Friends, I take to interviews like a duck to water. Why, just last week I took a duck to water, but I couldn't make it drink. What a foul way to start a podcast. I love talking to comedians about comedy, and if you like to hear what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. Thank you. When you've seen and enjoyed as many different comedians as I have, it's very hard to pick out favourites, and I get asked all the time. It really puts me on the spot as they're all so different. I suppose a name or two pop into my head, but they're not always the same. However, that said, if I'm at a festival or there's a choice of shows, I'll usually try and get to the show featuring my guest this episode, because he's unpredictable and absolutely hilarious. It's stand-up comedian Tony Law. Hello. Hello there. So we can just get straight into it if you're happy. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, Okay, let's dive in. First thing is, was comedy always a big part of your life when you were growing up? I uh, suppose so. Yeah. Well, I was always like a class clown. <laughs> yeah. You know, the usual psychological uh, damage. That's how I got love from my parents and make them laugh, <laughs> I think. And so, yeah, comedy was always something. And uh, yeah, discovering like, um, well, there wasn't much uh, on, mm. but uh, I remember when Monty Python belatedly got to Canada, I was already like 15 before I discovered Monty Python. Then I watched the first Monty Python, Holy Grail. And I, that was like, I thought, uh, oh, well, this, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. It's got <laughs> it's history, it's absurdity, English accents, French accents, <laughs> and uh, absolutely based on some kind of truth, but yeah. uh, absurdity to the fore rather than like literal. Uh, it's just perfect. Yeah. And I used to watch a lot of, um, Saturday Night Live. I used to get the. I wasn't old enough to stay up and watch the live ones current, so I'd watch the old ones. So I'd watch. I was watching the 1970s ones in the 80s. Right. Yeah. And then when I was able to stay up late enough, I got to watch Saturday Night Live religiously. So Saturday Night Live and Monty Python were my main thing. Not stand up. Right. Didn't really know about that. Yeah. Until much later. <clears throat> First stand up show I went to was with my mom in London uh-huh. at the Comedy Store in like 1990 two or something like that right and it was all right but it was it was exciting it was cool but i didn't it, i don't know it didn't really wasn't my thing yeah i didn't know much stand-up and then um i only sort of got into stand-up by doing it and then seeing other people that were really good at it yeah but i preferred i still preferred the sort of stuff where like garth Marenghi or rich hall or the uh simon munnery's league against tdm or yeah guys that are doing it like different like yeah kind of sketch slash Stand up, just different. Yeah, the standard stand up. You know, like they're really good and all that, but that it's um, I don't know. It, it wasn't as uh, it didn't do it for me as much. You know, like Bill Burr is brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, that all that lot, they're they're really good at it, fantastic at it. But it's not. Um, I just like it a bit weirder and stupider, <laughs> or sillier. <laughs> so, what was it that made you think that that would be a, a that stand up then would be a career for you? Well, I didn't really know how to get involved in um, doing it any other way. Like, uh, <laughs> it seemed like the easiest way to get to do some sort of comedy. So, right. you know, like I didn't have enough uh, friends to make a sketch show. And also it wasn't, a vi- you had still had to make a living if you're going to do it. So it's a viable way to, you know, make s- money if you're doing it on your own. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think I think if I had gone to college or something, I probably would have gone into sketch comedy. I think that's what you have to do. I think those sketch people, they, they have to meet in college so they can have a troupe, <laughs> I think, you know, and like being like a band. I wish I'd have done that. That would have been great. Oh, yeah? It's too, too late now, though. I can't see there being any old men sketch shows that start up brand new or like a sketch show with new comedians and old ones in one. That'd be quite fun. But no, any, uh, there's lots of... There's lots of ways you can do the stand-up medium and make it yeah, like a one-man sketch show, I guess. One-man silliness. Yeah, That's what I try and do anyway. <laughs> so what was it that prompted the move um, to the UK from Canada originally? Um, I guess just boredom on the farm. Right. You know, like, uh, and there must be something else out there. Like, uh, I wasn't very good at farming. I didn't have that mentality, and I grew up on a farm. And uh, I didn't have any qualifications, and I didn't like working in a factory. <clears throat> I didn't like working in an abattoir. 
I really had nothing going for me. I liked history. Yeah. But I was pretty, didn't have any direction. Didn't, I tried to go to college, but couldn't concentrate. It was just too, I didn't really know how to write an essay. I'd coasted through school. Right. So I just thought, uh, I'll just run away. Just run away to Europe and go traveling around. Yeah. And that's what I did. And then I worked for travel companies. Uh, Contiki Tours I worked for. <laughs> I actually got a job do, being a tour manager by lying and saying I had a history degree. Right. Which got you on this training trip, which is a two-month trip on a coach around Europe. You'd stay in all these cool places like old chateaus and yeah. cabins and and uh, tents and all different stuff. Yeah. But anyway, but you needed to have, you know, you needed to know about the history of places and how to craft a talk right. on where you were traveling through, you know, like tour You'd need to have a speech, a talk on yeah. on Paris, on the way into Paris. You need to talk about French history on your way down on a long trip down south. And anyway, I just sort of said, oh, my back then, like 19, whatever it was, 93 or something like that, mm -hmm. I guess. Uh, yeah, no, my degree from the University of Calgary will be through in the post. And they, <laughs> the guy who was running it really liked me. He, he knew. So I got, <laughs> anyway, I got that job. So I was a tour manager for a while. Yeah. Worked in France for a year, just like crappy jobs and good jobs and stuff like that. Yeah. And I didn't really start comedy till about 1995. And then I did a, like a new act competition at Glastonbury and I won that. And I thought, well, that's it. Now I thought that's all you had to do. And then you'd get an agent. And... Yeah. <laughs> that didn't happen. Apparently you've got, you had to chase up gigs and do all of that. So I worked in bars and stuff. And then eventually I got a tour of, Colleges, not until like 1999, just very wayward. Yeah. Almost meandering and lazy. Yeah. And that's how I sort of got into it. And I've just yeah. kept at it. Did you have um, the style way back then when you started? Is it the same? Were you the same comedian then as you are now? Not really. Well, I, I, I tried to do be like Ed Byrne and stuff because he yeah. was the kind of comic of the day and do observations and stuff. But I was pretty bad at it because I didn't really believe in all the things I was saying. Like they didn't interest me how it. <laughs> The things I thought audiences <laughs> liked didn't interest me, so it was half-assed delivered. Then when I, it was after seeing the Bush and and um, yeah. and uh, Simon Munnery and people like that, where I thought, oh, so you could just do anything <laughs> uh, <laughs> that you like. <laughs> and it was and it was um, Noel Fielding was very inspiring. He was just saying, yeah, just do whatever you think's funny, and then just make it happen. Yeah. And so then I slowly started to develop into that. But I was still doing stand-up comedy clubs where if you veered outside, like, because they were all doing, like, tours of art centers and stuff. Right. But I was still doing the stand-up, like, jonglers and stuff. So I, I was pretty tough there for a few years because I was trying to do my nonsensical whimsy stuff and, and, and not doing very well at some of these clubs. But, <laughs> but having to do well to pay rent, like, I got myself in a real bind. So, and then eventually I just started to make it more high octane and just yeah. to shout it more yeah. and, and force it on people. <laughs> and then eventually I thought, well, God, I, I can do, I, I just started doing more kind of like, eventually I started doing more like just accents and, yeah. you know, more sort of like easy digestible stuff. So you could still be silly and weird, but it didn't have to be so weird. I tried, I made, made it more accessible or whatever. Yeah. And so then it got better after that been so long now, I can't really remember when each change happened. But no, I wasn't very good there for a long time. I think I've only really been good the last few years. And then, I've, and then there was a few years where I wasn't as good. And then I go back and there was a few years where I was really good. I think my best years were like uh, 2009 to 2013, 14. And then 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, not as good. And then I started getting good again in 20. And then... Lockdown came 21, yeah. and then I've come back 22, 23, and I think tw uh, so far I'm I'm better than ever now. I think I'm at my best now, <laughs> but I've had some ups and downs. Yeah. But my best sort of run where I was almost getting successful was like 2011, tw 12, maybe 12, 13. Yeah. <clears throat> Looked like I might be getting on TV a lot. Well, I was doing some TV. Yeah. Just panel shows and stuff, and it looked like I was about to get successful, so I, I had to self- destruct because uh i didn't have enough confidence that i really believed i deserved it so i kind of ruined it all yeah. and that's probably why i was shit again for a few years because it took me a while to build back up the confidence <laughs> so, so it's uh <laughs> if i if i 
if I, in the unlikely event I ever got that kind of uh, success again, I think I'd be uh, ready to handle it. <laughs> but I, I guess I wasn't when I was a, a wee young lad of 40. <laughs> I was still too immature back then. Like you say, you had your some TV experience. You did... Um... Eight out of ten cats. Have I got news for you? Never mind vodkas, etc., etc. You did a stand-up spot on Good News with Russell Howard. How did the TV yeah. experience compare to doing live? And like when you said lockdown, how about doing online gigs like this? How did that all compare? TV was awesome because you got a nice live audience. They're really up for it. I loved yeah. it. And the so have I got news for you? And never mind the buzzcocks, especially because you didn't you didn't have to hire a writer to spend your fee on the writer to write you really tight scripted you just got to riff and so the best the cream of the crop of who could actually naturally just fire it out off the top of their head really rose to the top yeah so i did really good on those ones but i was already starting to self-destruct at that time so i kind of right. didn't i didn't take it as far as i could have and uh, then that dried up mm. but um i loved it you know yeah. in a studio pre people bringing you cups of tea whenever you wanted <laughs> Uh, people touching up your makeup, checking your okay. It was, it was pretty awesome. I liked it. Didn't like doing Zoom in the um, in the lockdown though. I yeah. mean, look at me. I'm in a I'm in the same cupboard I did all my gigs in. Yeah. So this is a pretty tight <laughs> space. I, I had some fun doing uh, Twitch stream with Phil Nickel. Yes. Yeah. Those were quite a laugh, but they were just chaos and nuts. Yeah. No, I mean it was all right, but I could. I, I I'm not very. Um, I'm just too over the hill to know how to really monetize stuff online. So I found it difficult to make a living. So I was do, having to do other stuff like deliveries and things, you know? Uh, right. Yeah. Like get my head around that. You yeah. drive to there, you pick up this, and then you drive it to the next place and you unload it. <laughs> but, but the idea of setting up a, trying to monetize your online yeah. Uh, content. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Instagram, I like because it, if it's for simpletons like me, you can actually just do like a 30 second little thing and then just send it straight up. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't know how to monetize that. <laughs> so live gigs is where I'm at now. Just trying to yeah piece together a sort of a tour. Yeah. So coming back after the dark zoom years and getting back into live comedy did you come straight back to it easily or did it just seem different after so long being inside oh i was just excited to do it i think it's yeah i like it a lot more than before but there's a lot less work because a lot of places shut down and a mm. lot of stuff just changed but yeah no as for me performing i like it a lot more i'm because i guess i'm more grateful of it right you know because it got taken away so yeah. So it's pretty exciting to be able to drive to a show and yeah. and have people there and an audience looking at it's awesome. Yeah. It's really, you know, I feel grateful now. Whereas yeah. I didn't as much maybe before. I was coasting too much. Now, yeah. I just <laughs> want to get more people in. But to get more people in, you gotta master the interns nets. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I gotta figure that out. Yeah. I'll figure it out somehow. My kids are getting old enough now; they can start helping soon. Yeah. <laughs> but so, I mean, like in your your most recent show, and now beginning again, um, you've yeah. got a, a family member involved in that. Well, he was just in uh, only in Edinburgh. He was at, there. Yeah. Is that my kids used to be in my Edinburgh shows little bits at the end, you know, during for a few years there when they were little because they were cute and they'd come on stage at like <laughs> there's a they came on stage at latitude when i did a show there and mm. and then this was kind of a farewell because my son he's got really he's grown really big and he's not cute anymore he's turning <laughs> into a man and it was he just sort of introduced the show as my oh, he just opened it up and introduced his dad and yeah but that was just just for edinburgh because yeah. i can't take him around with me and i think that was probably the last time he'll do it i got a sense <laughs> But a bit of my goal was to make sure that they didn't think that comedy was a really a thing they wanted to get into or uh, when they were older. Like, they didn't want them to become performers or actors or, right. you know, go get, just do what you want, live your dreams. I wanted them to be sensible, <laughs> get decent, regular jobs. And yeah. I think that I knocked that out of them. Any idea of them <laughs> wanting to go into the the uh, the performing arts. I don't think they've got, 
<laughs> we tried to take it to like little acting things and stuff, and you yeah. could just it's good. I think I think I've made them normal. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to I didn't want a pair of narcissists in the house. It's already me. I don't want them in there having to show off. They're so insecure they need strangers to like them. I want them to be nice, decent folk. Yeah. So <laughs> oh hopefully I, I think that's how it's going. Sweet. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. yeah. It's a terrible dream. They should have other dreams. Yeah. Like good, normal dreams. Pension, stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> I like your wood panel backdrop. Oh, thank you. Oh, this is a podcast. No one can see it. It's a print. Oh, it's a print. Yeah. Oh, it looks like wood. Yeah. It's meant to look like wood, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It looks like old cedar that you've uh, put some stain on it. Yeah, it's to make people think I'm more impressive than I really am. It does. It looks like you live in a cabin in Montana. <laughs> a little short moment ago, you mentioned um, Edinburgh. So how is the Edinburgh experience for you? Well, normally pretty good, I guess, but it's getting uh -huh. so expensive. This year was so expensive for accommodation. I couldn't find any. Oh, yeah? So a friend of mine let me borrow his trailer. He fixes windmills and stuff. <laughs> and he's got a trailer where he takes it to on-site. Right where they sleep if they're like working for a couple of days on a big windmill. Mm -hmm. And uh, so like a caravan. And then we he found me a place on a farmer's back lot. So all the camping spots for trailers were taken up. But right in the back of his farmyard, yeah. there was a hookup to some water and some electric. And I stayed in a trailer for the whole month. And it saved a lot of money. But I still didn't make that much money in Edinburgh. Yeah. Because of all the costs. So... It's not what it used to be, and I'm no spring chicken. <laughs> and I think I can come up with a show, a new show, and just do it in Camden or something mm -hmm. next year. I don't think I can afford – I'm not – unless you're a big act making good money or an up-and-coming act whose parents can subsidize you <laughs> or you can live eight in a room, Yeah, you know, then I don't think it's for me anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I like going to get some reviews and stuff. I got enough reviews over the years. I can just yeah, use those. And it just takes it out of you. It took it out of me. It's a long month. It's a hard graft. And yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just not that into it. I love touring and doing my show to people. Mm -hmm. and so that means I've got to come up with a new show each year. So I just need to give myself a, a target of say, two weeks in Camden. Yeah. Because I live in London and I can still be with the family. Because otherwise, you got to move the family all over the place, and that's expensive. And mm. people got to go stay with aunts, or I don't know. It's yeah. just it worked there for a while, mm -hmm. uh, but it isn't what it, it's. You know, and now there's seven thousand shows. I remember going up there one time. There was only if you look at the re shows reviewed on Chortle. Yeah, like some years there's three hundred and sixty shows reviewed, yeah. and then it got up to about seven hundred shows reviewed, and then suddenly there's three thousand shows reviewed. Yeah, well, that's that's a lot. <laughs> it's it's a young person's game, <laughs> and and also going back to this internet stuff. Yeah, clever people who think outside the box. They built up their own internet following, and then they get they can just they don't need to go to Edinburgh. Yeah. If I can figure that shit out, maybe with the helps of people like you who are all like smart and know how to use the internet. Like, how's your podcast doing? How long have you been doing it? Tell me more about it. I think comedians like it more than the general populace. but it's <laughs> Right. So far, because the populace don't know about it yet. Yeah, it's it's a slow burn, but it's doing better than I planned. So it's uh, it's, it's good. So what do you, what's your main stuff you do? Nothing. I don't do anything. I'm retired. Oh, you are? Yeah. How'd you manage that? The old-fashioned way. I inherited. Oh, God. So, yeah. <laughs> I think my dad's going to live forever, so I can't count on that. <laughs> also, I got too many siblings. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, you can focus on this then. Yeah. I got two podcasts that I do, and the, I spend most of the rest of the time just going to comedy shows. Nice. I'm pretty much at a show every other night, I guess, on average. Where are you based at? I'm in West London. Nice. So you can get to a lot. Yeah. I mean, when I saw you in Camden... Uh, the other night, that's like a half hour drive for me. I can park right near the pub. So, yeah, I park right around the corner of that pub. I love, I love that one. Yeah, I love the gigs you can drive to. Yeah, yeah, me too, for sure. I love driving to a gig. Um, yeah, mostly there for a while. I was listening to NFL podcasts and yeah, uh, just you know, just stuff you like. Yeah, and you become like a silo, don't you? you just you, 
your interests are very narrow. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like history and American football. Yeah, and so <laughs> no, not even aware of any movies or films. Yeah, no, it's uh, true. <laughs> outside of what my kids watch. So yeah, yeah. But then I, I I've started listening to AA podcasts. You know where people do their sharing. Yeah. For Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah. I love those. Oh yeah, listening to people's stories, and you, there's one. It's called Sobercast, and you can listen to these old guys from like the 1960s and 70s talking. It's, that's awesome. <laughs> the stories they tell. It's very inspiring. It's about losing your ego. So I'm going to try and do that. Lose my ego. Oh yeah, yeah. Just become a nicer person. That's my new goal. Become a more well-rounded giving, thoughtful, kind person. That's the goal. Yeah. See how that works for a change. Because <laughs> I wasn't getting much success just thinking about myself all the time. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm gonna try a new way. I thought that was part and parcel of being a comedian. It was that you had to, <laughs> you had to demand attention. Uh, yeah. I just wonder if there's a way to tap into something more, find some, some deeper. Yeah. I got some new material that I, oh, I did some of it the other night, you know, off that uh yeah board yeah or the what do you what do you call those uh, things uh clipboard clipboard yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I really like that about how it's like ai comedy so it kind of frees me up i write whatever comes to my head stream of consciousness yeah. put it down on a bit of paper give it a title and then just go and read those and see where they go each night yeah i'm kind of finding that ex exciting because then you can just blame it on the ai if it doesn't work <laughs> yeah <laughs> i wouldn't know how you'd go about getting an ai to write you material so i'm just pretending i've got an ai yeah my my brain <laughs> what's left of it is my ai so i punch it in put it in it spits it back out i write it and go and do it and i was doing that the other night at my brighton's um so the first half was like all of the edinburgh stuff that got good reviews and stuff really yeah Bang, bang, bang. Mm. A lot of it's still about COVID, which bothered me, but that was the first Edinburgh I could do since COVID. And then I had a lot of stuff I still wanted to talk about. But anyway, yeah. first half was great. But the second half, I did that stuff off the clipboard and it was way better. I loved it way more. <laughs> there was something in there was something in it that I that I so I'm I'm excited about that to find a new kind of and also I don't have a great memory, so it's nice to be able to just look at a clipboard and then do the bit <laughs> and then sort of be with the audience going, oh, I don't know, what you... <laughs> yeah. I didn't like that either. Or... How, um, so that's exciting. How much of what you do, do is still, uh, do you still improvise on stage? Well, the stuff that I was doing in Edinburgh yeah. is sort of less so because it sort of got in there, you know, it got, it got mapped out and that's how I do it. Yeah. I do the same moves and yeah. Didn't really want to change it because sometimes if you change it and forget to do a bit, you lose the thing. But with the clipboard stuff, yeah. a lot more. So yeah, that that that's been one thing I like about that because most of that's improv because you kind of sometimes don't remember what the point of that word was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so that that forces you to improvise, and I'm liking that a lot more. I love that. I love if you can walk away from um, a good few bits that are just brand new and might not happen again. Yeah. Because that's kind of what really, I I was influenced a lot by Ross Noble for a while when we were just doing like club gigs and stuff before mm -hmm. he kind of got massive. Yeah. And he'd literally have some ideas jotted down and then he'd go and just see, like he was, he would, he was the only guy I knew who actually improvised. Yeah. And then he would improvise the same stuff again. Yeah. But he's so like, I can't <laughs> believe there's a generation of people that don't know about him now. Yeah. Like, I guess he must live in Australia or something like that. Mm. But like, he's so, he was so good. So just making shit up. And, and, and that would mean that it would be so unexpected, such different topics. He was so good. And I tried to be like that more, but you got to be brave. Yeah. And maybe that's why I'm getting into the idea of like, uh, losing ego a bit more, you know, cause if you lose your ego a bit more, yeah, you stop worrying about what everyone thinks you start just saying the words and feeling the audience and mm. and if you know not not worried what people think of me right but more like oh i wonder what they think of that idea yeah and then it kind of uh i'm hoping anyway the idea is that it takes away that space between you yeah and you kind of all live in the same space yeah it sounds all 
like I'm trying to be highfalutin, but I'm trying to just do something <laughs> different or t- trying to feel different about it. Yeah. Instead of it being a stress, like, oh, I hope everyone likes this. I'm trying to head straight into the fear and then see how, see where that goes. Yeah. It's interesting. I've said to some comedians about when, you know, when you're watching comedy and you can kind of see, they're going to call this back and I know where this is going and I know what the punchline is going to be. And I always think that when I see someone like yourself or like Ross Noble, I don't know where this is going. So whatever I think I know, you can forget about it because it's going to be way funnier than what I could come up with. So that's what I love about it. Well, that was, that was the, that was the thing I really got into in, in about 2009, 10, 11, 12. 13 before I let the wheels fall off as I was get my mantra was uh, my favorite thing about comedy is surprise I used to say that all the time I like to be surprised I don't like to that's why I like Sean Law because he would start off with a bit and you'd have no like you say no idea yeah. where that was going you know there, there I remember that bit where he's got he says you ever find yourself and you're holding a budgie and you're just whacking it with a spoon <laughs> and he does that for ages he just whacking it with a spoon. And then he's saying, I don't think this is for me. Or whatever, like whatever the joke is like. Or that one bit he's like, you remember, you ever you ever find yourself you're in a field and you're killing a pig with a hammer and you think, God, I need a holiday. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, that that's the stuff that delighted me. So I'm trying to just yeah, get back to that again. I think I I yeah. think in those fallow years, I allowed myself to get back into the, I wonder what's going to make me famous, or I wonder what's going to get me back on TV. And that never works. It's the opposite works. Yeah. You know, because if you want to get on a panel show on BBC Radio 4, they don't go for guys like me. <laughs> so if you change your act so that they will go for guys like you, they still won't because you're still to them yeah, the guy who's hitting a budgie with a hammer or <laughs> a spoon. But So you just might as well stick to that then yeah because ross never worried about getting on those shows he would just try and i mean uh sean got on there but he was like a a rare one to get in Mm. there's some brave producers yeah who i used to do this thing called um uh ealing live and that was all sketch comedy some really funny people from all different disciplines of comedy yeah and a couple of the guys from there that were producers of that live show went on to work channel four yeah and we had always talked about, like every week at Ealing Live, we would work throughout the week on sketches and then do them on a Thursday night. Always talked about Sean Locke. Sean Locke, he, yeah. he was like my hero and their hero. And then they got into TV and then boom, he was, they they managed to somehow get him on. Mm. And he managed to stay pretty much in his same absurd way. And it worked fantastic. Yeah, But you don't see that as much with other people. They seem very straight. Yeah. Stand up, da 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 the Tories or da 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 Donald Trump. Da 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 and it's all it's coming it's it's almost rhythmic. Yeah. That it's become like it's not even well, it's not comedy to me, because I can't you just know how it's going. You know? So I guess I guess what I'm saying is I'm I'm not gonna try and get on radio four anymore because I don't think they want me. But I'm at the age where you think they would. <laughs> one of them old guys on there, on one of those games. It's funny, though. I mean, you talk about taking risks. You know, if not for some um, commissioning editor taking a risk, programs like Monty Python and The Young Ones and yeah. Frost Report, no, these would never would have been made. Well, yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. I was thinking, I, I reckon Monty Python got on because back then people drank so much, drinking culture. <laughs> and people. People in the BBC were all absolutely hammered at work, and that's why they let that through. And they wouldn't now, because everyone's all sober and thinking about optics and stuff. <laughs> and then I think maybe Sean Locke, there was a real, like, uh, there was a moment there, wasn't there? Was when right, right around 2000 through for about 10 years, where comedy was crazy. They were trying Sean Locke on a panel show, all sorts of different stuff. Yeah. But then it also, it went along at the same time where people were trying to be just nasty and rude at the same time. Yeah. Which I'm glad that's got tidied up where people got fed. But it's so funny, like someone like Frankie Boyle would be on there and he would make fun of like handicapped children. And he did some nasty, horrible shit to the point. I used to have a whole routine about being Frankie Boyle. Mm. And so I would but I didn't have the evil in me to do it. So I would, uh, I would do like a version of Frankie Boyle. And then I would do like, I basically used to equate him to being like 
just far right. And, yeah. and anyway, so then he, but then he realized the wind was just changing, it was moving the other direction. So he just switched and he became like a, like a really judgy woke guy on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. He used to tell people that they didn't think right. And I thought, I, I, yeah. I mean, he must be very wealthy and good for him, but I, I don't know how you could fucking live with yourself to be such a absolute, like, <laughs> hypocrite. I mean, unless he just went through a change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe that was just growth and maybe I'm just being cynical, but he grew at the right time. So it looks bad. Yeah. But anyway, he's doing well. Yeah. But now there's not, there's not all that kind of type of hate, hatey comedy. Yeah. But now it's all kind of the samey comedy. So, I mean, there was good and bad that came with that kind of a little bit more lawlessness. Yeah. But it was getting a bit sort of um, a loaded magazine there for a while, right, I suppose. Right. Yeah. yeah. It just, it's cyclical, isn't it? <laughs> I can't remember the first time I ever said cyclical. <laughs> but, uh, it sure sounds good. Cycli it's, I mean, comedy cyclical. I think I probably would have said cyclical the first time I read it. <laughs> comedy cyclical, man. <laughs> I think American stand-up's pretty good. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I like, like, um, Theo Vaughn. Uh-huh. Oh, what's his name? Um, oh, Capello. No, Capur No, not Scott Capurro. I love Scott, Scott Capurro. Capurro. He's, yeah, yeah. he's edgy. Um... <laughs> No, what's his name? Joe Rogan's mates with him. Um, God, why have I forgotten him? He's always being controversial with his... Chappelle? Yeah, Chappelle. Dave yeah, Chappelle. Chappelle. Yeah. Uh, but I like... Um, I mean, he's good. Bill Burr's good. All that's good. Yeah. It's not my favorite, but um, I can... But it's kind of... They're not uh, scared to talk about anything. Yeah. They'll joke about anything. I like that. Yeah. And they're not overtly mean or anything. Yeah. Uh, I don't think, but no, Theo Vaughn, I really like him. And, uh, Shane Gillen, I think he's Gillen or Gillis, Shane Gillis. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he's an, uh, sort of a chubby American guy. He's very funny, yeah. especially about American football. Maybe that's one of the reasons I like him, <laughs> but he's like, like over there, it seems like it's a lot more, a lot of the acts seem to be a lot more, uh, working outside of TV, building up internet followings. And they seem to be a lot more working classes, a lot more. Yeah, you know, guys from the south mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Just it seems more working class over there. But I mean, I could be just a cliche, but it does feel like comedy here is TV and it's Oxbridge and yeah, stuff like that, which I can't really relate to. So I don't really watch TV here anymore. Right. Um. But and I and because I've been doing my own sort of solo shows at art centers and little tiny theaters, I don't see a lot of other acts. Who's good out there right now? Oh, in your opinion, God. who would I like? <laughs> um, I really like Rich Wilson. Ah, oh, Rich talks like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rich is my age. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like Rich. Yeah, yeah. He's been going ages. I, I, I'd be great. It's like uh, when Mickey Flanagan had a burst on the scene. That was yeah. fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's like <laughs> fifteen years older than me, and he didn't get. He got his uh, best newcomer nomination when he was fifty. Yeah. So there's hope. <laughs> It's still hope. You gotta have hope. I might make it big when I'm fifty-five. <laughs> I like, yeah. I think I think he's great because he's just a. It's a very personable character, you know. And I said to him, he's, when he comes out, he has an instant rapport with everybody, and everyone just sort of loves. It, which I, it's just you, you're kind of on board. Yeah, but he he doesn't seem to be overly burdened by ego and no. self. Like he seems like, and I know I think he is. Uh, like I know he is. <laughs> so I know him. Well enough. He's just a really good guy. Yeah, for sure. I love that about him. Like you sense goodness in him. Yeah. Off stage, on stage. I love that. That's who you want to win. Yeah. Sean was like that. He was grumpy, Sean Locke. Mm. But he was a really moral person. Like he had real boundaries, which I've tried to develop. You know, you gotta have boundaries. Yeah. He's he had good boundaries and he was he was grumpy with people that he didn't if people were rude or deserved it, he just would be. Yeah. And he didn't care. I love that. Stuart Lee, more, a bit like that too. But then he's sort of, I don't, I haven't seen him much lately. He got a little bit, he got a little bit too grumpy and a little bit too crazy. <laughs> you did tour support for him, didn't he you? He was a bit crazy. Yeah, I did. What, 2009. That was yeah. great. He was wonderful back then. <laughs> I'm sure he is now. But he was a really good guy. He used to stop at um, National Trust 
Yeah. Or British heritage sites, you know, go look at an old uh, crumbling abbey. <laughs> uh, that's a fun way to tour, you know? Yeah. He would get the driver to take us there and we'd, <laughs> ah, yeah, no, good dude, good dude. Don't know what he's up to now. Probably he doesn't need to do anything. Probably just needs to look after his health now for all I know. <laughs> he's hoovered it all up. <laughs> but he did that. Well, no, he did a bit of TV, didn't he? I was surprised yeah. he did get on TV, but that was the time when they gave him a shot too. Yeah. When there was no real overt lefties back then, and now there's no one who's not. <laughs> that's because it's cyclical. <laughs> that's why that's why that is, Mark. It's cyclical. <laughs> so now that now that the mainstream is all kind of very right on. Yeah. Uh, I hate that word woke, but kind of just right on yeah. the the status quo is everyone thinks the same now no one thinks any different yeah so stew would be status quo and it doesn't work anymore it was better when people were more like um when tv was more like frankie boyle and all of that and jimmy carr mm. that's when stewart really worked on tv it's like whoa this is different but now yeah it wouldn't work would it he's, <laughs> he'd be just the same same old moaning <laughs> I hope it doesn't swing. I, I just I hope we find a happy medium. <laughs> Actually, I don't give a shit about TV. It's too hard to find how to watch TV now. You know, because on the TV that we got, it's got Netflix, yeah. Amazon, YouTube. Like, how would I find... Oh, I could, there's a BBC iPlayer, but I'm not going to waste my time going through the BBC iPlayer. I've already watched all the history documentaries they've made. I'm not going to... My TV isn't hooked up to just turn on BBC One. And I'm so resentful towards them. I, I don't know why I'd want to bother. I think whole generations have come, gone on to TV, and then not been on TV anymore. And I've met them and not known any of them. Mm. You know, like when you're at a gig and, oh, that's so-and-so. She's in this thing. Yeah. And you're going, oh. And it sounds rude, but you're like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Uh, they seem to have nice clothes. <laughs> so I, I believe that. Their teeth are very white, so they must have had a run. <laughs> They must have had a run on TV. That's how you can tell if their teeth are really white. You know, they've either they've got independent wealth <laughs> or they moved into comedy from banking or they just had a run on TV and got all that shit tidied up. I remember when Noel Fielding first had his teeth whitened because he was doing he was doing his character in Edinburgh. Uh, I am the moon. <laughs> and it was his face in the moon where he put shaving foam on and his teeth looked really yellow. Yeah. And then he got on TV quite a lot soon after that. And then, boom, those teeth are white. <laughs> so you can tell I haven't been on TV for a while. My teeth are yeller. <laughs> the second half of this interview has been way better than the first. <laughs> I'm just listening to you talk. I don't even need to be here. I really just relaxed. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All I need to do is bring out a little bitterness and I get fired up. <laughs> and there's lots of people that do like... um. Like in sports media, the Barstool Sports is the thing I started watching. It's a Boston company, or I don't know where they're based, but right. a lot of those guys are just really funny, and they get they kind of venture into their own versions of comedy. There's one guy called K write down Caleb Presley's Sunday Conversation, yeah, and he's like a former quarterback in college who then just turned documentary sports filmmaker. And he does these interviews. He wears these giant suits with a Colonel Sanders tie. Yeah. And he interviews the weirdest. He interviews rappers, country and Western singers, and American sports uh, personalities, NFL football players, UFC fighters, yeah. basketball players. And everyone's kind of in on the joke. It's not between two ferns. It's not that obvious. But mm. It's just they're so weird and surreal. It's It's like the funniest thing I think there is and then i'm learning about all these cultural people i wouldn't have known about like i don't know who any rappers are yeah <laughs> he's interviewed about 30 rappers that i've discovered still don't listen to their music but they are pretty cool <laughs> characters and country and western superstars that you've never heard of yeah but make bajillions of dollars <laughs> it's a different world over there <laughs> different world over there eh you talked about some American comedians. How have you found the humor in Britain as opposed to, you know, if you were playing internationally or if you're watching comedy from abroad, how do you find it culturally? How is it different? Well, I'm not, yeah, I think I've got a very British type humor, so like that old fashioned. Yeah. It's funny to say old fashioned. It used to be the, <laughs> the new thing, but you yeah. know, the old fashioned, 
uh, surreal, silly, stupid, dumb, not necessarily a joke. In fact, purposely, a joke wouldn't make that better, make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like that. I love all that. <laughs> and if, and if I can, and sometimes you have to go to America to find it with like, say, Caleb Presley yeah. is the most surreal act I've ever seen. He doesn't need to do stand up. It's just his interviews are, it's like a British sensibility. Yeah. If you could put it that way. So I don't know. Maybe I should take a crack at it over there, but I don't think my family are going to let me go and do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I, I, I feel like there's not much. I think the difference now isn't between countries. It's different. It, it's between how people get to where they're at. So if people get to where they're at from TV, yeah. they kind of do the same thing as each other. Right. Guys, girls, gays, straights, yeah. trans, doesn't matter who. If TV's their way in, they all sound the same. Talk about the same stuff with their own slightly different angle on it. Yeah. Whereas if people come to it, independently it seems like anyway what do i know <laughs> outside of the of someone deciding you're what's good yeah uh when an audience says you're what's good yeah it seems to be that's where the good stuff is but then i'm so fucking out of touch that that could be just, <laughs> that, that could be just my feed you know yeah but um now it, and it's different now like you can go to a real bear pit club and the comedians are not necessarily in England feeding them the tight 20 of regular stand, you know, that boring kind of yeah. tickling all the box, ticking <laughs> all the boxes, tickling all the balls. Now you, there's much more variety now. Hmm. There's just more of it. Yeah. But um, yeah. And then the independent clubs, oh, they're mostly independent now, are really good. Really nice mix of people. Yeah. It's nice that there's more females doing comedy finally because it just the audiences are nicer now much more forgiving yeah gentler audiences but there's so many guys who started up before there was any sort of shift mm. that some bills will be all guys just because there's six thousand vain up their own arse guys <laughs> trying to do comedy and there's a thousand girls yeah well, eventually that'll level out, but yeah. sometimes you're not going to get a bill. You just can't make a mixed bill. They're all on TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, how would I know? I don't watch TV. I shouldn't have an opinion. <laughs> so what uh, what philosophies, if any, have you developed in over your career? Sort of some ideas that you always think, well, I must make sure to bring this into my, my next show. Uh, no, the same ones usually is. Uh, Ross Noble always said, just do what you think's funny. That's it. Yeah. Nothing else. And Sean Locke always said, remember, you're just a turn. You're not an artist. You're not a, you're not a fancy painter. You're not a this or that. You're just a turn. You're a comedy turn. You're going on to be funny. Yeah. So that you put those two together. It's, I think that's it. And then my main one is I just love surprise. Yeah. Ever since Monty Python, when I just went, wow, this is surprising. I didn't think that this would be. <laughs> you think about it, like, if you've never seen that before. Yeah. And you're suddenly watching the knights that say knee. Or <laughs> the guy's getting all his limbs chopped off and fighting. And then the the tiny brain whopper. the You know, like all of that yeah. is surprising. Yeah. So, yeah. Someone who just comes out. And I remember... I remember when I first started, like some of the clubs, there were some real, like real out there acts. One guy, he just had like a tube and then he put ping pong balls in it and he'd blow them up and the ball would go up and he'd catch it and he'd go and he'd go up and he'd catch it. And he just did that. And then uh, one guy, one guy came on stage and he just bounced around on a giant ball. <laughs> I stole that idea many years later and got a giant beach ball and just played catch with the audience while listening to just a small town girl. <laughs> and you bring them up and you'd play catch with them, make making eye contact. And then as the song built, we would start to rotate playing catch. And then you'd play catch and you get closer and closer. And then you would both hug the ball and you're spinning together, looking at each other. It's very moving. People used to find it very moving. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so that 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 was there was lots of rich stuff to pick over 
It was like, all he did was bounce on the ball, but it was very funny. I remember it. <laughs> one guy would come out. Um, they were very clever. Um, oh, what were they called? Uh, noble and silver. I never really understood it, but it was intellectual stuff. <laughs> but I remember, just remember him coming out and he was just measuring things. That <laughs> delighted me. And then last year's Edinburgh show, or no, the one about three years ago when my son was still small and cute and he was in, dressed in Scottish costume, he would climb up a ladder and mouth to letting the days go by. Yep. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. He, would, he, would, he would mouth that and I'd just go around measuring him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> I love that bit. That All that stuff is from when it used to be crazy and you could just feed, get all these different ideas or go to loads of children's shows. And I, I love the idea of like lit up little miniatures, you know, around the room and you used to have elephants flying through the sky and get everyone a torch and they'd you'd light up all the uh, just just <laughs> weird silly stuff. I got to start doing more of that now. But yeah, I but it's you do it in a, for a month in Edinburgh and then you realize this is impossible to tour this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the amount of the amount of get in to tie up elephants around the room. Yeah. Yeah. So, I forget the question. I just waffled <laughs> there. Many many years ago in the nineties, I used to be in a in a a band, which like a comedy band, and um, oh yeah, there was uh, we played a, a song about Doctor Who, and we'd have a TARDIS on the stage. Nice, and um and the singer would get in it, and the and he'd have to change clothes while singing while in this little TARDIS thing. Oh really? To come out the other end? Uh, yeah, but but more that's amazing. But more often than not, he just knock it over and fall out with no trousers on and stuff like because he's trying to it's just like rolling around the stage trying to get dressed i mean it was funnier when it when it was when it wasn't when it what work. he wanted it to do yeah, yeah oh what's that band um henge have you ever seen henge i have not no henge henge they're like a comedy ish space type band henge yeah from the west country bring up henge and then look at a photo of them <laughs> Bring up a photo of the band Henge. <laughs> uh, I've got one up. They make me laugh. So they're a band from space. <laughs> they're like all aliens and stuff. Yeah. Oh, well. The guy kind of looks like me, the singer of Henge. <laughs> Have you seen it? I've got it. Yeah, yeah. He looks like Paul yeah. Curry a little bit. Do you know Paul Curry? Yeah, Paul Curry. Yeah, I know Paul. He based his look on me. Yeah. <laughs> When he first started out, I was going, holy fuck, he's got the ponytail on top, long at the sides, beard, nail painted. Yeah. Oh, well, I passed on the baton. I can't really go around with my nails done now. The kids are of an age. When they're babies, they can't put a stop in. They can't say, Dad, you look ridiculous. There is an age where you start to look ridiculous, probably. But mind you, now I'm wearing long johns and, and a tight T-shirt with a top hat. Yeah. And two gardening gloves. So <laughs> yeah, that's my first half outfit with long johns. It's supposed to look a little bit like um, a clockwork orange, but so I could never find white uh, coveralls or boiler suits that looked quite like those. Right. <laughs> or that fit because I'm too heavy for them now. <laughs> you got to be slim to wear coveralls, I think. <laughs> I liked when Pete Townsend wore that at Woodstock when he wore like a white boiler suit. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. But when everyone else is trying to look outlandishly hippie-ish and he wore like a worker's <laughs> outfit with boots. <laughs> Very punk. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, tell me about um, the battle for Istopia. Oh, yeah. That was a couple of years ago now. Yeah. With Adam Larter. Yeah. We, um, yeah, I was struggling for thinking of something to do that was a bit different. So I said to Adam, um, or no, I was sitting in uh, the Bill Murray and I said to the bartender, I need someone uh, to come up with a new idea. And then I said, oh, what about, and I'd been thinking about this for years, Tony Law on Ice. <laughs> and I thought I would just do a gig <laughs> on ice where I did st a stand-up show where people would skate on, be bad skaters. I'd make fun of them. Then I'd host. <laughs> then he said, oh, you need to talk to Adam Larder. And I didn't know him before, <laughs> but they set up a meeting with Adam Larder from weirdos. And I thought, well, this yeah. is, that's promising. <laughs> and he, cause he's done a lot of weird stuff too. 
Yeah. And then, yeah, he said, no, we'll write a script. We'll make costumes. We'll get the whole crew in and we'll do a play on ice. And we did. It was about, it was the opposite of global warming. It was, we're trying to fix the world from global cooling. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a real positive story. And, uh, yeah, we had Stalin was, Joseph Stalin was in it. Some bears, (laughs) some figure skating and. Yeah, it was just a one-off. We were thinking about maybe bringing that back. Yeah. I think we should, actually. That was It was pretty good. We yeah. sold out. Yeah. But so much money went into it. There wasn't much money left for the the acts. But if we had done a few, yeah, <laughs> oh, maybe that's something to look forward to in the autumn. I think um, Chortle called it the event of the year, I think. Yeah, well, we won an award at Chortle. Yeah. Yeah, but I'd become so in, uh, in a, inside of a shell. I never went to the awards. Just become a recluse. How do you feel about awards? Used to love them when I drank a lot. Right. <laughs> but now I don't think I, I don't know. I think if you leave your ego behind, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you could probably go and I'd go again. I don't know. They're, they don't mean nothing unless you're winning them. Then they mean everything. Mm. Then they're awesome. Then they, then they get it right. <laughs> uh, how can anyone listening to this find out about you, where you're playing, what you're doing next? Uh, basically, go on to either Twitter. Or uh, what are they? Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. I'm always posting my tour shows. Come and check me on my socials. Uh huh. Follow me on there. Yeah. And um, I'm always posting like where I'm going to be. So it's a it's a live thing. Phil Nickel and I have been recording a podcast with another guy, and we're they're kind of just absolute nonsense. <laughs> like they make they're just people talking absolute craziness. Like there's no structure or anything. Yeah. But those <laughs> we've. We've banked a few of those that we're going to start releasing soon. So oh, cool. there'll be a podcast. But yeah, seeing me live is way better. <laughs> Definitely come see me live. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to try and figure out a format for my own podcast so I can do. But I got to figure that out. But I haven't done that yet. So yeah, live. <laughs> Socials. Yeah. Mr. Tony Law. <laughs> um, so I ask you now my final question, the question I ask all of my guests, in line with yep. the keeping of the title of the podcast. Tony, can you sum up what is comedy in a nutshell? Ah, uh, <laughs> surprise. Delightful surprise. Yeah. Oh, oh, that was a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> it's a safe surprise, a good surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully put. Tony, thank you so much for being my guest. It's been an absolute delight. Oh, pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care, buddy. See you soon.